a radio show that confesses Christ <laughs> without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys would put the mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and You're listening to Table Talk Radio, the <laughs> podcast of forceful subtlety. That's what we do here. <laughs> That's right. You know what I noticed? So here's a couple of notes before we start, which is, number one, uh, I was in Michigan yesterday or sometime recently and uh, speaking at this conference, and a bunch of people came up to me beforehand and they said, hey, Pastor Wolfmuller, remember, keep it me- mediocre and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if I can live with these demanding expectations. The second little thing to note about before we really get rolling is that I listened to some other podcasts. And you know what other podcasts do? They actually introduce themselves at the beginning of the show and say who they are so people who know who they're listening to. And I was thinking, when is the, we probably did that, like, our pilot episode said who we were. Well, yeah, I think we were we were doing that, and then we realized that might work against our listenership. They so. are like, I don't want to listen to those fools. So it's better if they don't know. It's like right. anonymous, anonymous podcast. That's right. <laughs> okay, good. I was just, right. as but, long as we've got a reason for it. By the way, uh, we had in our in our intro there the flammy reference there. Yes, I, you still talk to the flammy. I'll talk to the flammy all the time. I was wondering if people think that you actually are the flammy because those are the two names Wolfmuller and flammy <laughs> mentioned into the intro. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that title. I'd, yeah. Happily, so I was interviewing uh, Flammy on my local show, and uh, we were talking about a project he's doing, uh, Avant Garde. It's a the uh, manliness project. The manliness project, yeah. So I asked him. This is the best line I've ever heard of. Uh, I asked him, "Hey, what what do you think about that Gillette commercial where they're basically uh, knocking on men for not being men?" And he, first of all, he said, "Whenever the media is going off about something, he just runs the other way." But he said, "Why would I care what Gillette says about men?" Their business is to make men look like boys. <laughs> well, Fla- at Fla- he was probably, you know, that probably came from a deep place in his own heart because the guy, the poor guy, looks like he's sixteen years old. <laughs> you, I mean, he was he was like this. He was this. Uh, he was in like the special forces in the Marines or whatever. He was like kicking down doors in Iraq and yelling at people in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And he was and and he, he showed me some pictures. And you can barely see him through all the equipment. You know, these Marines have to carry around like 200 pounds of stuff. And then there's like this little baby flammy head. He looks like he's six. <laughs> I was wondering if, if he participated in, in, in No Shave Lent with you. He doesn't. Act, he probably doesn't care about Gillette because he doesn't even own a razor, that guy. <laughs> no shave. I've seen him. I've seen him try to grow a beard, and it's not a pretty thing. It's like. <laughs> It's like that. It's it, you know. There's some deforestation 
thing there. And we yeah. and we wonder why uh, he's no longer there at Hope Lutheran. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like the 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 ridicule that you would normally give to your vicars got shifted <laughs> to your to the assistant pastor. <laughs> I know. No, who but, I but don't. Moving out of state doesn't seem to help much. No, I know. But now there's nobody here to make fun of. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well. We have a mediocre show in store for you. We're going to be doing some pages for points. And game hilarious. We haven't done that game in a long time. I'm it looking forward to time. it. I've uh, got some pages here. I have, uh, what was next? Some, some random sound bites that you're yeah, going to try and guess sound what bites it's all for about. Points. That's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what we're doing after that. It seems like that's we it. had. That, that's all we're going to do. We're going to stop. Okay, fine. Um, let's do some buzzwords, though. Um, My buzzword for you is doctrine, which it just means teaching. What's the Greek word for that? How come I can't think of it? Didaskalos? That means to teach. And so the teaching, this is the... So sometimes you see in the Bible the teachings, It's the word is doctrine there. That's just what, exactly what it means. But for whatever reason, people hear the word doctrine like, Ugh, doctrine. Yes, I'd like some doctrine with my salmon. <laughs> it sounds haughty. Do you know what I mean? The haut- That's my haughty voice. Doctrinaire, you're so doctrinaire, you're so, oh. and it's like, and then people try to Bring do more this business. Calamari, would you? Yeah, that's right. Where's the baby cow? I want to eat some <laughs> veal with my doctrine. Oh, you don't have doctrine? Uh, you can go eat at McDonald's. By the way, someone asked me if McDonald's sponsors the Sunday drive home. You know? Oh yeah, because I also got an awesome card. Uh, it said thanks a latte on it from a, a Sunday Drive Home viewer. That's the YouTube channel, and uh, and they gave me a gift card to McDonald's. McDonald's. You go to McDonald's? Yeah, I don't know. It's better than you. <laughs> now, so so pe- now, and this is the thing that people do. They want to set doctrine against life. Like, oh, you got doctrine. We've got holy Christian living. You, you're all about truth. We're all about love. As if the two can be separated from each other. It's, like it's not the head, it's the heart. Well, look, you know, if you separate the head and the heart, you're in a bad way. You know? But, the, but people are walking around with this kind of theological guillotine. You got the head part, we got the heart part. You know? And they're, and they're just decapitating Christians. Oh, you're a heady guy, not a hearty guy. Oh, it's the doctrine that gives us the life. That's what Paul says. To Timothy, give it, give heed to the doctrine, for in so doing, you will save yourselves and those who hear you. Doctrine is salvation. How about that? Blam, I, I wonder if um, the reason we have a, uh, a, a, a repulse to the word doctrine is because of the uh, the verb indoctrinated, or that someone is being indoctrinated. So that uh-huh. that that this is, I mean. I mean, in a way, I mean, in, indoctrination is simply the the receiving or what the uh, um, the getting of a doctrine. But we use it in our common language to say that someone has what been convinced of a particular teaching that is that is bad. bad. Yeah, the, the indoctrination is not the problem. It's in false doctrination that's yeah, the problem. Right. Right. All right. Good point. All I just right. Made, that's my news. That's my buzzword instead. My in false doctrination. Theological buzzword for you is kenosis. Whoa! Wow. Uh, so this is from uh, the Greek word of uh, an emptying or empty, um, and it's the, the root Greek word for Philippians 2, 7, that Christ emptied himself. Uh, now, so th- this is, uh, I should probably should have pulled up Philippians 2, 7 and read it exactly. Do you have it memorized yet? Uh, did, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. And he humbled himself uh, to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
Right. So this is this is uh, this idea that that Jesus uh, you know, emptied himself, but we have to be careful here because what we're not saying with this is that somehow uh, Jesus separated himself from the divine nature. That 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 Jesus here uh, now just becomes a man and only as a man and not as God. Uh, but we say that the the union between the divine nature and the human nature um, always exists together, never to be separated. Um, and so uh, the way that we oftentimes articulate this emptying of himself is simply of his divine attributes um, or his divine um, uh, his divine power that he did not fully exercise his divine properties that he could have even according to his human nature. So Jesus dying on the cross, of course, at any time could have said, I'm coming down, <laughs> just according to his divine nature, could have done that, but he willingly did not exercise his divine divine nature, limited himself to being nailed to a cross for our salvation. So, kenosis. Here's a quote, by the way, from this book that you're going to get, Pages for Points, Ooh. on kenosis. It says, The detailed description of the state of humiliation is given to us by Halatz, who says, Four requisites must be combined in order to describe fully the self-renunciation of Christ. First, kenosis or intermission or withholding or restraining of the full activity of the constant and universal divine majesty and excellence really imparted to Christ as a man. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. At second, uh, lapsis morphis doulos, taking the form of a slave. Second, the likeness to the lower, meaner class of men. And fourth, third, fourth is his most humble, active, and passive obedience. They're all pulling that from that same text, and this is great. It's on oh. page 400. So, uh, uh, oh, that's good to know. Of this book called The Doctrine of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Did, this is, did I tell you about this Flammy? This was Flammy's secret weapon, because he was always quoting all these great dead Orthodox Lutheran church fathers. I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? So one day I snuck into his office, and I was sniffing around his books to figure out what book he was reading, and I found it, and then I republished it. <laughs> 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 That's great. <laughs> All right, so so you're you're on this. Uh, you're, you're making the case for a systematic theology. What if I said, look, uh, I don't need your systematics. I just have the Bible, and I'm going to read through what the text says. There's a there's this weird distinction that some guys will make between systematics and dogmatics, hmm. which I suppose is helpful because the maybe because the accusation is that the Calvinists remember the Calvinists dun dun dun. <laughs> They are doing everything systematically, so they start and they reason things logically. But a dogmatic, so, so all the Lutheran books that are like the systematics texts are called they call themselves dogmatics, Christian dogmatics. Mm -hmm. It's different because then this, it's the scriptures that take the lead, and you take the lead of the scriptures and you go there. So we, we I suppose if you said, I don't like systematics, say, okay, that's fine, you have to have dogmatics. But if you just don't, if what you mean when you say, I don't like systematic theology is, I don't like things to be organized. I like to be muddled in my thinking. Uh, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's right. a, you know, I, it's not. That's that same old thing. It's not about the head. It's about the heart. And then you, we, the Lord warns about this. My people die for a lack of knowledge. You got to know. You got to know the things that God wants you to know. Yeah, I also am not for file cabinets. I mean, if you're against systematic theology, you're probably against file cabinets <laughs> too, right? All right, we'll be right Libraries. back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Gravity. Up and down, <laughs> light and dark.
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Gotcha. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. And I was hoping you'd play this song. It's your lucky day. Makes me want to dance. So the point with uh, systematic theology, I think, is so when you're doing exegesis, that is to draw meaning out of the text so that you would start with the text and you would uh, read it and study it and learn the original language and all the other aspects of grammar and whatnot, and you would uh, say this is what the meaning of the text is. And all that systematic theology is organizing those meanings. So if I wanted to start with, well, what does the Bible say about baptism? Then you would start with that topic and then look at all the uh, times the Bible uh, looks at um, at baptism. So, so exegesis and systematics go hand in hand. I mean, it's not like systematics replaces exegesis because you still have to know what those verses about baptism say and mean. Um, but if you're just going to do exegesis, it's 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 um, looking at one text without really any consideration of what the rest of the uh, Bible says about a given topic. Agreed. All right, so you have a dogmatic book there, uh, an indoctrination book the there. The Doctrine so. of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. It's an in false. It's an anti-in-false doctrination book. That's right. my new buzzword. Could you change it? <laughs> so what? Anti-in-false doctrination. <laughs> so how this works is I name a page. Heinrich Schmid. Here's what he did. He put together like a basic outline of theology, and then he pulled all these quotations from the dead Orthodox Church Fathers, like Chemnitz and there's some Luther and Hollitz and all these guys. And uh, and, and he, so he put it there. So it's like, it's like a cheat sheet to all the old Lutheran theologians. And by the way, by the way, you can download this book for free. I did that when I also stole Flammy's copy. I don't, made a free download. Don't mind if I do. Now you have <laughs> six hundred. Oh, you mean I can't do that right now? Where we're playing this game? Oh, okay. All right. Six hundred and ninety points available to you. That's the whole thing. And um, all right. So let me just give you a, a, a kind of a, a big, big overview. Okay. Well, no, I don't know if I could. Well, yeah. No, never mind. Oh, you're not going to give me an overview? Well, okay, okay, okay. Uh, part one is kind of it's a basic dogmatics overview. Part one uh, introduction is theology stuff. I mean, f- where the theology comes from. Part one of God, and that has five chapters. Part two of man with two chapters. Part three, the sources of salvation, and there's three chapters in that. Part four, the means of grace and of the church. There's three chapters on that, and then part five, the last things, and then tons of appendices okay um i'm gonna go with page 199 all right nice choice let's see what we got here thank you um god not only gives second causes to the power to act and preserves this but immediately influences the action and effect of the creatures so that the same effect is produced not by God alone, nor by the creature alone, nor partly by God and partly by the creature, but at the same time by God and the creature as one and the same total efficiency, namely by God as the universal and first cause and by the creature as the particular and second cause. The action of God and the action of man are simultaneous actions. <laughs> wow, I... Ooh, this is... 
<laughs> That's, this is it's harder not, than I thought. This is, <laughs> this is what? Harder than I thought. Yeah, yeah. See? Uh, so. Isn't that great? I mean, this is really, it's, uh, well, I'm going to let you guess what it's talking about first. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, boy. Um, so I, th- I think what this is saying is that, um, that the, what, sovereignty of God does not mean, I mean, we always use the word robots, right? So that God, uh, God is the puppet master holding all the strings and we're just the puppets going through the motions or the, or we're robots doing what God is, but, but he's saying that there is, um. Uh, the, uh, action between God and, and his creation so that we are uh, beings, but yet God is still um, God is still supreme. I wonder if I'm on the right track, at least with this. Mm-hmm. You are. Okay. You're 100% on the, on the track, right on track. And so I, I need to think of the theological heading that this would might be under. Um, dare I say, I don't know about this. Dare I say free will? Uh, uh, no, it's not free will. Yeah. You're getting close, though. It's I mean, not, it's the not... fall into sin. <laughs> it's just the same thing as free will. It's close. <laughs> um, <laughs> fall, uh... <clears throat> so here, here, I'll tell you where it is. Uh, you got to, and then you tell me if you get points for this. Part one of God, chapter four of Providence, part two, concurrence. So it's talking. It is talking about how it is that that man and uh, that man can have a free will towards the things that are below him, towards the stuff that we do, and yet God is in fact in charge of all these things. How can those things? So that's the that's the teaching called concurrence, and that's what's being that's what's being taught here. That's basically what I said. <laughs> concurrence. Or the cooperation of God is the act of divine providence, whereby God, by a general and immediate general and immediate influence, proportioned to the need and capacity of every creature, graciously takes part with second causes in their actions and effects. So one hundred and ninety-nine points. Okay. Really, you get points for that. Okay. <laughs> You're using your free will. I'm not sure I concur, but. <laughs> We're gonna go with it. All right, let's do this again. That's kind of that's it. now okay. So that is some heady stuff. This, but it's helpful because it, yeah. here's a couple of things, that, a couple of ways that this is helpful. Number one, we remember that people are getting dumber. That's just helpful. It's I mean, evolution <laughs> is wrong in that sense. They think people are getting better and better and better. Wrong. We're getting weaker, more foolisher. I don't know, uglier maybe. But we're not getting smarter. Now, now, we might have a more accumulated knowledge, but it's not. it doesn't manifest in wisdom. So when we read the old church fathers, we're like, boy, those guys were, they were smarty pants. And the other thing is it's nice to know that these theological questions were actually considered before, and they were thinking these things through, so we can go and read them in the book. So what about free will? What about providence? What about God's sovereignty? How does it affect our free will? It's not like we're the first people to wonder about this stuff. So, right. Yeah. And it's good to maybe know about what, those theologians have said about it rather than reinventing the wheel every time the topic comes up and say, yep. oh, I have been thinking about this for the last 10 minutes and yes. this is what it, this is the conclusion we'll come I, to. Uh, I watched like five YouTube videos <laughs> and now I'm an expert. Five YouTube videos? Wow. <laughs> what an expert. Oh, I mean. Uh, okay. Next I'm going to go with another guess for page 253. Okay. I'll find it. I'm going for the blank page between the chapters. I like, 
I like how, how you play along, you know, because you could go early or you could just go late just to pile on the points. That's one of the flaws in our gameplay design here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like how you don't, how you, you know. I figure I can give myself points at low values. If I'm going for the 400s, you're not going to be so generous with letting me give myself points. Ah, I got you. Uh, yeah, I, that's, wow. That's the game in the game, <laughs> I suppose. It's like psychological warfare. The immediate consequence of sin is that the sinner who broke the commandment which he was bound to obey incurred guilt which deserves punishment. To quote Halatz on the topic, the consequence of sin is the condition of being guilty of crime and exposed to punishment. Hmm. The punishment is partly temporal, partly eternal. Hmm. So when someone sins, what is uh, the result? And this is saying that the result is guilt. Now this is uh, automatically putting things in terms of, um, we oftentimes say like forensic terms, um, so that it, it's much like our legal system that when you uh, commit a crime, now you have a charge against the state and you stand in a courtroom and are rendered you know, guilty or not guilty. Um, and in the same way, a sin against God is, uh, is guilt then. Uh, I, that's the sense that guilt was referred to here, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, so in contrast to, um, well, I don't know if this is what, what the author is contrasting it against, if anything, but uh, I, would, I, would, I would always contrast this against the feeling of guilt, right? <laughs> so... Uh, so that the 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 ramification of me sinning is that I I feel guilty. Well, the reality is is whether I feel guilty or not, I am guilty against a holy and righteous God. Um, but um, being brought to contrition is is maybe another topic. But this then goes uh, further, I think, to talk about um, temporal and eternal. Did it say? Did it use the word punishment? Uh, this, yep, this punishment is partly temporal, partly eternal. Yeah, so, uh, so the, the eternal punishment, uh, would be, um, would be death or hell. I mean, that's what we deserve because of sin. Uh, temporal, um, I mean, I think, I think temporal death would also be thing, but, but, you know, with a particular, I think this, this varies per the sin, um, you know, if I decide to go rob a bank and I get arrested and thrown into jail for 20 years and now I can't you know, watch my kids grow up and things, that would be a temporal punishment. Um, but if I, you know, stole a piece of bubble gum, maybe I've just kind of weakened my conscience and uh, I've, you know, whatever, taught bad values to my kids. Or I mean, there's, there's, lesser, there's lesser temporal punishments, I think. Is that, would you agree with that? Yep. So uh, what topic is this under? I would have to say a topic concerning sin or sin and guilt uh, for... Actual sins, maybe something like that? This is, yeah, I think this is pretty close. So it's on, let's see, part two of man, chapter two, the state of corruption, paragraph uh, or section 25 of sin in general is what you're under there. Well, how many points did I get for that? 253? 253. All right. Well, we need to take a break and then we get back from this break. Maybe we'll do another round or two of this. Depends uh, yeah, how you're soon that gets points. old. <laughs> and then I have some mystery sound bites for points. I ooh, I know what you can do. Yeah. Each one of these is a different length of time, number of seconds. Yes. So you can get that many seconds if you oh. can guess what's going on. Okay. Okay. We're making it up as we go, obviously. Yes, we are. This is Table Talk Radio. You can give us a call, one 800 385 
Sola, or you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Table Talk Radio. You have been warned. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Over halfway through at the show, we're doing page for points. You know, you can also do, you can link to a search result on WordPress. By the way, oh, thank sorry. You. Yeah. All right, uh, that's what so, that's what Evan and I talk about during the break. Four hundred and fifty-two points is my current total. I'm trying to cash it in, so I'm going to go for the daily double. Page four hundred and fifty-two, please. Really? That's what you want to do, huh? <laughs> okay, I can get there. It takes me a little time to get all the way to the back of the book. Why, are you scrolling through the PDF or something? From the, No, I have the actual printed book from the Lulu right here in Whoa. my hand. Whoa. Do you know the Lulu? Uh-huh. Uh, from the formula of Concord, it is properly said that believers who are justified by faith in Christ in this life at first obtain indeed an imparted righteousness of faith, but then also they have an incipient righteousness of new obedience or of good works. But these two things are not to be confounded or intermingled mm. in the doctrine of justification by faith in the sight of God. Chemnitz says, Interesting. Examination of the Council of Trent, 1, 2.33, It is certain that the blessings bestowed through the Son of God is twofold, namely, forgiveness of sins and renovation in which the Holy Spirit enkindles new virtues in believers. For Christ, by his passion, merited for us not only the remission of sins, but in addition to this, that on account of his merit, the Holy Spirit is given to us, that we may be renewed in the spirit of our mind. These benefits of the Son of God, we say, are so united that when we are reconciled, at the same time, the spirit of renovation is also given to us. But we do not on this account confound them, but distinguish them, so as to give to each its place, order, and character, as we have learned from the Scriptures. That, namely, reconciliation, or remission of sins, goes before, and that the beginning of love, or of new obedience, follows. But especially that faith concludes that it has a reconciled God and the forgiveness of sins, not on account of the subsequent and commenced renovation, but on account of the Son of God, the Mediator. Mm. This is fantastic. This is great. Uh, you should you should really commend the person that picked that page because that's some <laughs> worthwhile. I stuff thought you were going to say about. I should commend the person that republished this no, book, no. so the whole world no, would have. No, no. It's, did we say what the name of it is? The doctrine of the evangelical Lutheran Church. Did we say that people can order? I thought a it copy? was the anti indoctrination or something or other. The anti in false doctrination. Yeah. that's my buzzword. You didn't even get it right. <laughs> I'll keep trying. Now this, this is good. Okay, so so one of the things. Um, that we that uh, that we have to hold to is that we have this imputed righteousness of Christ, and this is what uh, stands before God, um, uh, that God would see us as one righteous, and it's not by anything that we've done; it is uh, wholly and solely by the work of Jesus credited to us. Now, uh, sometimes I think there are those who would say 
end of story. I mean, like that's the end. All right, what else you got to worry about? Uh, and then we just kind of do whatever we want. Um, but there is also in um, what this calling it renovation. I don't know. If I've ever heard it referred to as renovation cool, before. Huh? It's Formula Concord. Remember how you uh, were? Oh yeah, <laughs> that thing that I subscribed to unconditionally. Right. Um, I, oh yeah, now I remember that. No, 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 no. Uh, actually, you were right. It's called. Um... No, the formula of Concord does not. It calls it the righteousness of new obedience. Right. It's Chemnitz who calls it renovation in his examination of right, the Council right. of Trent. Right. So renovation is an interesting way. But but the point here is that there is a new obedience and there is uh, righteousness in this new obedience. Now, um, this quote that you read was sure to say that these are two separate things that we do not let. Um, the latter bleed into our understanding of justification. So we're not right before God on the basis of this new obedience, but we are righteous according to a new obedience, and that is to say because we are uh, made a new creation. Now, this this new creation that God gives us, this new man, does not sin in any way whatsoever. It's the old flesh that continues to sin. Uh, but the, the new creation us lives out of love for God, and that's true. There's, there's, this is great, because it talks about this distinction as well as the connection between the two. So what, number one, the righteousness of faith is diff, is very, is clearly distinct from the righteousness of new obedience, and yet they're bound up to each other, but it's not in that uh, I'm obedient and then declared righteous. That's the opposite way. It's bound up the other direction. Mm. I'm declared righteous, and what happens is there is born in me, out of the gospel, a love for God and the neighbor. So that the, the so that the, the the consequence is the other direction. We're first made righteous by faith, and then the righteousness of works begins to follow precisely because we're made righteous by faith and have the Holy Spirit and so forth. And so, so the the doctrine, for example, of any sort of works righteousness, or and this is Roman Catholicism, is what their Chemnitz is getting after, is it it makes it to, the exact opposite. So I first have the righteousness of my own works, which leads then to some other further righteousness. No, that's you're getting it completely backwards. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think um, we might have the tendency to um, emphasize the persistence uh, of the old Adam to the point that we could deny the new obedience that comes from the the new Adam. Um, so, so we, in other words, if if we cannot confess that. I do have a new obedience after being regenerated, then we're in some way denying that which the Lord has uh, has given us, that new creation, right? Um, so, I mean, certainly we still have a flesh that, that sins, um, but that is not the fault of the new creation. Right. That is right. Oh, so I'm supposed to guess the uh, subhead. I'm going to say this is under new obedience. Ha! Ha ha! Justification, really? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, so okay. Let's see. So we got, we have a uh, p- application of redemption, part, which is part three or something like that, and then we have, uh, oh man, I, let me go back to the beginning. So let's get because it's you're deep into it here. There's a lot of sections. So I would expect justification to come up earlier in this book. We're at the very end, and. Oh, by the way, justification, I should mention that before we wrap up the book. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, regeneration comes later, it, it's like five pages later. 
But you're here under um, Chapter 3, The Grace of the Holy Spirit in the Application of Redemption, uh, Section uh, 42 of, so you have 41 of faith, 42 of justification. And then under here, it says, uh, Forgiveness of Sins, Part 1, 2, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, the means of justification, justification free gift of God, the central doctrine of justification. That's where you are in that whole thing. All right. So I'll, I was five pages off, so I'll deduct five points from 452. That's 447. Uh, I thought you were going to give yourself five points. <laughs> New obedience comes yeah, next. All right. all right. Let's go to uh, some sound bites. You want to want to guess some pages, or not pages. Sound uh, bites for points? Seconds for points on sound I want, bites. I want sound bite number five. <laughs> right, I have three sound bites. The first one is 29 seconds. The second one is 26 seconds. And the third one is about two minutes. Whoa. Well, let's start with, let's just eat the frog. Let's go for number three. Look, Tucker, I understand that you want ah, to go our to a guy, time Tucker where uh, Roe v. Wade was illegal, where women were having don't, back don't alley abortions, just, and they on, were man. using so, coat hangers look, to have abortions, right, which is actually right, what's look, barbaric. I, I'm giving you time to make, a re to make a real argument. I'm not arguing for the repeal of Roe v. Wade. I'm a very straightforward person. That is person. what you're I'm, essentially I, I, actually, saying. Actually, no, that's not what I'm arguing. And please don't be tiresome. The governor of Virginia, <laughs> who's a rising star in the Democratic Party, just said this. There's pending legislation that mirrors it. And I'm asking you what you think of it. That's it. I'm not here to debate Roe v. Wade. I think that right now, reproductive health care is under attack by the Republican Party. 72% of Americans support the right to choose. And yet we have Trump and we have sexual predator Kavanaugh okay. trying to repeal Roe v. Wade and Come trying on. to take away we're, our control we're, okay. over our own bodies. This isn't about okay. babies. This isn't about health care. This is about you attempting to control women's bodies. Okay. Okay. Please don't be a robot. Monica, you're smarter than that. This is the we governor of Virginia just saying this. I just want to know what you think of it. Is that okay? Does that bother you? It's a sincere question. It this just me. happened. Okay. It bothers me that you are attempting to control women's bodies. No, That's what you're doing. You are. Bodies. The Republican you have Party the right now Look, is working overtime think, to repeal okay. Roe v. Wade and to take away choice in every single state. I wonder if you think you're convincing anybody or if your unwillingness to address what just happened today on tape that we just played is a sign that you can't defend this. And if you can't defend it, I wonder why that is. Have you paused to ask yourself as an American, as a person, what do I, I mean, as a woman, what do I think your, of that? As a woman, what do I think of it? Have you yeah. asked yourself why you spend so much time talking about this rather than thinking about why your party is trying to repeal Roe v. Wade and control women's bodies? Okay. Okay. Right now, there are okay. seven Hold states on. where there's only one abortion clinic, okay? okay? There are four let, states let with trigger you. bans where we would, if Roe okay. v. Wade is repealed, women uh, cannot get reproductive health care. This is about a woman's okay. right to choose, and you as a man should not have a single say in that. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> All right, so uh, can you guess what this is about? I, I want, obviously, it's about a woman's right to choose. Uh, uh, it's not about what the governor of Virginia said, which was that horrendous. Not that's where he said, when the baby's born, you keep it comfortable, and if the women, if the woman and the doctor decide to, you revive it. That was one of the most horrifying things ever stated out loud about this whole abortion nonsense. I mean, it's not abortion anymore. It's infanticide. It's it's it, here's the baby is born and is still alive. And then you get to decide if you if you keep it alive or not. Oh, it's just it's even it's just it's a, it's it's a horrifying sort of thing. That So that's got to be the uh, clip that uh, that Tucker had played before there. Is that right? It is. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, 
And, and he must have used the word barbaric, which is right. And then she says, you know what's barbaric? Is using a coat hanger. To, what, what? Who's for that? It's not, you know, like the pro-life people are like, we got to go back to the days of coat hangers. What? This whole th- ah, the whole thing is absurd and ugly. Really, what's really in- ugly. What's interesting is she said it's not about a baby. It's about a woman's choice. But it is about a baby that just has been born. We'll be right back. wise man once said i listen to table talk radio he only said it once i'm taking some old luther stuff pulling it out of the collections and publishing it you can download it for free or buy them for five bucks find it the everyone's luther at wolfmuller.co click on the books at the top of the page Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Sound Bites for Points, and Pastor Wolfmuller just considered this two-minute clip, uh, correctly identified from Tucker Carlson, and I think you correctly identified what it is referring to. Oh, man. That is the uh, Virginia uh, bill. I was really right about a soundbite that was really wrong. (laughs) So that was Monica Klein. She's the founding partner of Seneca Strategies. And um, she obviously was brought on to uh, respond to what the Virginia governor had said pertaining to the law that they attempted to pass in Virginia, uh, saying, uh, well, yeah, the, the, the baby could be born and, and they would decide what to do with it. And, um, and instead of uh, engaging in the issue whatsoever, Miss um, Klein decided to attack this other side of saying you're just trying to repo Roe v. Wade. I mean, imagine just that argument right there. You don't think that we should kill a baby that's born. You're just trying to repo- repeal Roe v. Wade. What? Right. <laughs> and besides, what do you have anything to do with it? Right, and you're why, a man. You have no... I think I did this. I mean, the, this, this Roe v. Wade was decided by men. So I think we should invalidate that just based on the, <laughs> I, the fact that right. it was men who made that decision. What do they have to do with it? <laughs> All right, you have uh, soundbite one, 29 seconds, or soundbite two, 26 seconds. I'll, you, uh, let's go for uh, number one. Where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth. She has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth. Would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman would I understand make that. that. I'm point. asking if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that, yes. This has got to be that same bill in Virginia, huh? Mm-hmm. Boy. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to... I mean, it's I can, amazing that, I mean, why... Long gone are the days when what did uh, Bill Clinton say about abortion? It should be safe, uh, legal, and rare. Safe, legal, and rare. Mm-hmm. Long gone are those days. I mean, so the good so, old so, days. So this was, I mean, a, a question from the lawmaker that, that drafted the bill supposedly or worked on the bill. I don't know to what participation, and the question was asked: If a woman is dilating, um, could she still opt for an abortion under this bill? And the answer was yes. It's just so horrible to imagine what this is. 
so I guess you got it. I mean, this this game's kind of easy. I, I'm not liking how easy it is, but I'll give you 29 points for that. Well, Congratulations. Know, it's going to be impossible for me to win. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's how this art, with the, it's just, I suppose there's something ironic here, and the, that's how this is with abortion. It's like, hey, look, it's, this is a such a fundamental thing for whatever is arguing for abortion. I mean, I... I do not. I I don't know how to get there. It's one of the things that I've talked about a lot. Is I I it doesn't make any sense to me at all anymore. The the argument for abortion, the argument. I mean, no, nothing about it. N- nothing about it. I I have no empathy. I was, I was like, well, should we? Like, how how hard should this question be? Should we kill the babies? Well, no. Let's not kill the babies. I mean, that that seems so. You, like. I, well, I don't. I I just can't get past that question. Like, you know, what, that, uh, um, that seems like it's it. Yeah, I, I, a church member made this point to me yesterday, and I think it's right. Uh, he said that I, part of the reason that this is okay in the minds of of far too many people in our country is just the ignorance of what actually is happening. I mean, any abortion, of course, but particularly a late term abortion. What what is actually done to the baby to to end its life? I mean, if, if if everyone, before making a decision, okay, before you go vote on this bill, you just have to watch this video of the procedure. <laughs> I mean, it seems like we would want to be educated, right? I mean, we want to know what we're talking about before we cast our vote on a particular bill. So let's say you just watch this video of what happens um, to terminate the life of an unborn baby in the third trimester. How many people would still vote for that? I don't know. I mean, I would hope none, but it's like a, it's, there, there's a, I mean, this, it's, there's, there's a, like a demonic ignorance here. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really, uh, it's yep. ugly. Oh, I got one more clip for you. Okay. Good luck trying to guess what topic this is on. Yep, that's right. It's done in cases where there may be severe deformities. There may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Oh, my goodness. It's just absolutely the It's just, ah. So what, ne- oh, just, I've wondered, um, I've wondered if, if uh, our, our thought process on the other end of the spectrum has led us to this point. Yeah, that's right. That uh, I think Colorado recently uh, followed Oregon in this, in this uh, uh, euthanasia, death with dignity, as they like to call it. Uh, is that true? Colorado yeah. picked that up. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, so, so we we've come to the conclusion that, uh, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's a chicken and egg problem. Maybe they just kind of are ideas that coincide with one another. But we've we thought that uh, life is not something sacred that should not be ended. We thought that life is something that, as at the whim of a person's will. Now, in the case of euthanasia, it's the will of the person. So if I have terminal cancer and and I can't bear the thought of going through treatments or going through the uh, the suffering that c- cancer would produce, then I uh, can exercise my will to end my own life. Now, in the case of a unborn child, uh, we can't know or uh, discern the baby's will. 
So now it comes down to the mother's will. So that now life is not something that is intrinsically valuable that uh, that should be protected, but it is at the whim of the mother's will. So the de- I mean, this is one of the contradictions in our law that if um, you know if if a woman was uh, pregnant, um, let's say in the second or third trimester, and is it is assaulted by a, a mugger and gets kicked or punched in the in the in the tummy, and that results in a in a miscarriage, uh, in many states, that would be um, like uh, maybe involuntary manslaughter or something like that, um, because, uh, but, but okay, but you know, if if a mother chooses to abort that child, then it's fine. And the difference between those two instances is not the objective life of the unborn. The difference between those two instances is the will of the mother. Mm-hmm. So that we're at a point in our thinking in our society that what defines life is another person's will. Now, just think about that. Is that a society that you want to live in? Is that a society that we've seen already not work in world history? <laughs> it's just, I mean, right, it's it's utterly, I mean, it's unimaginable. I don't, it's unimaginable. And, and how is this not, I mean, with all of our sensitivities about for example, people with disabilities, how does that not raise red flags? Like, mm. oh, if someone has a disability, then you can kill them? Oh, that's that's how we're going to do things now? Yeah. I mean, what what other what other things are going to are going to disqualify you from the privilege of living? And who's going to decide that? You know, I mean, hmm. that's just terrible. Mothers have been I mean, and this is talk about indoctrination. You know, if you want to hear the the problem with indoctrination, it's in this, it's in in this sort of thing. It's like you can't, for whatever reason, you just people can't think clearly. Like, hey, there's a look, there's a baby. We should uh, love it. Mm. No, no, no. Let's kill it. Mm. What? what how? It's just there's it's a profound sickness. So all, me... all for the reason of sexual freedom. This is all. All of these sacrifices are being made on the altar of sexual freedom, yeah. which is not a god that we ought to worship. Right. And I, and I and I my only hope is that maybe through all of this being revealed, that some people will realize um, just exactly what we're doing. Like like in, when most people think of an abortion, they think of an abortion that maybe happens in the in the first ten weeks or something like that, which is of course equally robbing life of of any other stage. Um, but when 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 people are being pressed to third trimester and then even after birth. Um, now I, I hope it's an eye-opening experience for some people to realize. Now we have just a minute here. I want to get your pastoral take on this because a lot of people, in light of all these events, have been asking, "What can we do, or what should we do in all of this?" What's your pastoral? Well, advice? we got to, we have to pray. Remember how Luther talks about the war against the Turk, and it doesn't matter how many soldiers Emperor Charles V has if the Church doesn't pray, we'll be overrun. So. This is our first and chief act to pray, and then also to let our voices be heard to those people who are hearing these conversations and making them known, our state representatives and so forth. So to get to know those folks and to let them know what you think about it and and to encourage them. That's what the representatives that are trying to defend the babies need encouragement and to know that the people are standing behind them. So, yeah, Good verse. Uh, and I, I, I would further that one more step, too, to just the people around us, our neighbors, our coworkers. Um, I know you're not supposed to talk about political things, but it's not political. It's moral. And, um, and I think that uh, the TV set wins in the ruling of people's minds. So we go home, watch the news that's completely slanted or biased. We watch TV shows, we, whatever. We, we surf the Internet. And this is forming people's thinking. 
and there needs to be some other answer, and you might be that answer to talk about this over coffee with your friend and this kind of thing. So so uh, talk about it with people around you would be the other thing. Yeah, that's right. That's All right, good. that's it for us. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> I just... I'm giving up my Thanks for listening to this, to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is Just not so for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, Take sleep care pain, of the internal babies. bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.